Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. The belief in Mashiach, and when I say Mashiach, I'm referring to the whole subject, the Messianic Age, the person who will lead us into that Messianic Age, and all the things that will happen, the rebuilding of the Temple, we're all lumping that together into the word Mashiach. So we talk about belief in Mashiach, Animamin, I believe. And when we use that term, it usually refers to the idea that this is a matter of faith. It's one of the 13 principles of faith. And yes, we have faith in the coming of Mashiach, but it doesn't negate the fact that it's also a rational belief. And in fact, all of Judaism is, of course, a matter of faith, but it's also very rational. Belief in God, for example, is the most rational thing. It's irrational to believe that something happens by itself. I remember hearing once from a colleague of mine that he was arguing with an atheist, and uh, he asked the atheist, okay, you believe in the Big Bang and everything, but who made the Big Bang? And the atheist's response was, we don't know now, but I believe that one day we will discover what is the original cause? And my colleague says to him, you just said you believe that one day science will find the answer. You're basing it on faith. So the atheist bases his non-belief on faith, which is more logical, which is more rational. It's more rational to believe that God created the world, that there is a source of creation. And the same thing is true about all the other beliefs, it's very rational, but once we accept the rational conclusion that there is a God, we don't stop there. We say, well, yes, whatever it is that we know about God, God is beyond that. God transcends that. And the same thing with Mashiach. Mashiach is a matter of rationality, and I'll soon explain why. That's today's topic. But once we accept it, we then come to realize that there's much more to Mashiach than what meets the eye, than what we can understand, something that is subject to our own uh, intellectual abilities. So let's talk first about the rational belief in Mashiach in theological terms. It's rational, as I said before, to believe that there is a creator. God created the universe. It's also rational to believe that if he's the creator, he had a reason for creating the universe. It's also rational to believe that if he had a reason for creating it, he had a purpose, an objective, that he would reveal this to the world. And indeed, we believe that that's what God did when he gave us the Torah at Mount Sinai. And it's also rational to believe that God would give this plan to humans who are sentient beings, and who have the capability of choosing to do good or evil. And by our choosing to do good, we advance the world towards its ultimate goal. And that's what the Messianic Age is all about. It's the ultimate goal of creation. And it's only rational and logical to believe that a God who creates the world would have a purpose and a plan, and that ultimately, inevitably, it would be realized God's plan would come to fruition. To believe that the world is just going to float aimlessly the way it is now is irrational. So that's the theological basis for the belief that 
the messianic age, the belief in the messianic age, is a rational belief. And it's not a belief that says that the world will, of its own accord, evolve into a better world. Because what guarantee is there that it won't devolve? We had, in the 20th century, we reached a certain high point in terms of our development, and then we went down to the bottom, to the abyss with the Holocaust and with the advent of Stalinism and Maoism, communism and Nazism, two twin evils. And I'm not going to go into which is worse. It's not relevant to this discussion. But suffice it to say, these were the most evil ideologies in all of human history. And that happened in the 20th century. So how do we know it's going to evolve on its own? It could devolve as easily. Yes, I do believe that it will change for the better, and I'll soon explain what I mean by that. But that's the theological basis for the rationality of it. But then there's also, when we look at the development of the world, we look at the technological changes in the world, we look at the economic changes and the social changes, we see how the world is going in a trajectory inexorably towards a goal where the world is becoming a better world and will ultimately turn into a utopian world. And when you, all you have to do is look around. Let's talk a little bit about technologically. Technologically, we are better off. When I say we, even the poorest individual in this country is better off than the most powerful and most wealthy monarchs of the past. Just the fact that we have plumbing and electricity, we can't even imagine living without them. They didn't have that. Kings didn't have that. So we are way ahead of any past generation and past century. Our medical progress, we have antibiotics. Imagine how many millions of people died from infections because they didn't have antibiotics, and that we have that today. So we're looking at major medical advances, major technological advances in all areas just the me mechanism that we have here to communicate. We could speak to the whole world simultaneously and transmit whatever knowledge we, we want to transmit. The Zohar, the principal work of Kabbalah, makes a prediction, points to the 18th, 19th centuries of the Common Era as a century in which the fountains of the earth will gush forward and the rain from the heavens will pour down. And it explains that there'll be an explosion of scientific knowledge, and that will parallel the spiritual knowledge that will become revealed. And indeed, that's exactly what happened in the 18th and 19th centuries with all of the, the advent of the modern age of technology. At the same time, the Hasidic movement started to spread the teachings of the mystical dimension of Judaism. And one could posit that the reason why these technological differences are, changes are happening in such a fast pace is because we're so close to the Messianic age that we are preparing for it with all of the hidden knowledge coming to the fore, both spiritual knowledge and also technological know-how. We are living in an incredible age, unprecedented, of course, but 
It was something we couldn't have even imagined. Even science fiction could not have imagined the extent to which we're going to be so developed. The life expectancy. I'm not going to go into all the statistics, but life expectancy all over the world in every country has grown, has reached higher levels. We're, we're, we're living in an age where Malthos predicted that we would no longer have the ability to produce food for the growing population, which is growing exponentially. And he was so wrong. In, those, in his days, probably 90% of society was agricultural, and yet it produced barely enough, and hardly, in, in some cases, not enough. There were so many cases of starvation. And yet today, the population of the world is tenfold, and only about 2 or 3 or 4% of the population is involved in agriculture. So we have incredible capacity to provide food for billions and billions of people. And yes, there is starvation in the world, but that's because of human errors. It's because of human corruption, not because the world cannot produce enough to feed billions and billions and billions more people because we throw out so much food. There's an overabundance of food. There are so many changes since the end of World War II, in fact, with regard to life expectancy, children not dying, and so many other things. And so many predictions were made that did not come to fruition, negative predictions of a ice age, a new ice age, among other things, start mass starvation. And I'm not going to go through the various uh, predictions that were made. There's an article in a uh, Reason magazine by an award-winning science correspondent, Ronald Bailey, where he talks about Earth Day in 1970, then and now, and he shows that there were 18 predictions, of he calls them prophets of doom, and every single one of those predictions did not come to fruition. For example, I'm only going to quote one or two, Harvard biologist George Wald says civilization will end within 15 or 30 years unless immediate action taken. And then at the very last one, it's about the, the inevitable ice age. This is from Kenneth Watt. World has been chilling sharply for about 20 if, for about 20 years. If present trends continue, world will be about four degrees colder for the global mean temperature in 1990, 11 degrees colder in 2000. This is about twice what it would take to put us into an ice age. So here's the technological advances that are incredible. And, then the, and the, together with the economic advances, people are making so much more money and they have so much more means to produce things that they need for their life, to live a very good life and a very prosperous life. And again, this does not ignore the fact that there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of starvation, but that's because we have to get our act together to make sure that everything that we have available should go to everyone. And also the social progress. There's in so many different areas, the institution of the United Nations. Now I might have my gripes with the United Nations because of their negative view towards Israel and there's a lot of corruption, but the very concept of United Nations is such a positive thing where nations, instead of fighting each other, vying for control over the world, empire building, 
Today, we don't have people building empires. Yes, in a certain way, you could say that China wants to advance its influence. The United States wants to export its culture, and it has to the rest of the world. But we're not talking about bitter wars fought so we can take over other countries. That is no longer the, the reality. Even North Korea, which is probably the worst and most egregious violator of uh, human rights, I don't hear him saying that he wants to take over the whole world. So we have, of course, slavery was abolished, and there's a general recognition that we have to stop wars. The war is a terrible thing. That's an incredible improvement. In the olden days, the greatest thing you could do was fight a war. The greatest thing is to fight and win. Second greatest thing is to die in battle. The, the whole celebration of death and violence, that is no longer the, an integral part of society today. So we have all these different advances. Now, you could ask, what about all the evil that we also had? I mentioned that before. We have the Nazi uh, forces in the 20th century. We had communism murdering tens of millions of people. So first of all, what happened during the 20th century, especially with regard to the Jewish people, was actually predicted, not exactly the way it happened, but the idea that we will go through suffering is predicted in the Talmud. One of the great sages says that before the Mashiach will come, the Jewish people will go through what, it, we, what he referred to as birth pains, just like a woman in labor has ter terrible pain, but out comes a beautiful child. So too, before the birth of the Messianic age, we will go through birth pains. And many of the great Jewish leaders said that that's exactly what the Holocaust was. Now, again, I'm not trying to explain the Holocaust, why God has to put us through this just because it fits into the birth situation. But that's the reality. That describes what happens. It doesn't describe why it happens that way. So we, we, we already know that before the Messianic age, we will go through, and we have gone through, terrible, terrible suffering. But the explanation why there is a need to have suffering as a prerequisite for Mashiach is because there is so much positive energy that has been generated into the world in the course of thousands of years of Jews and non-Jews fulfilling God's commandments we have reached a point where we have generated so much power that the question that we should be asking is not how could one believe in a messianic age? The question should be how could it happen that there is no messianic age yet? We haven't yet entered into this age of utopia. And why is that the question? Because when a person does a mitzvah, Every mitzvah is the equivalent, and even more, of detonating thousands of atom bombs in one place. Imagine the explosion. We can't even imagine. Well, every mitzvah we do, because it's a divine act, creates a spiritual explosion, and that explosion never dissipates. It never, even an atomic bomb, after who knows how many years or decades, the nuclear fallout will dissipate. The explosion of divine energy through a mitzvah never dissipates. It remains forever. It accumulates. On the other hand, the evil that people do is short-lived. 
It only lives as long as we allow it to live. But as soon as we do tshuva, we repent for it. As soon as we suffer for it, as soon as we go through a transform, transformative process, the evil dissipates while the good is still here. So if you take all the good cumulatively of all the generations since Sinai till the present day, and adding to that is the fact that we did good, we fulfilled the commandments in the most trying of times. So that makes the explosion in the positive sense even stronger and much more potent. So the question is, how come, two questions, how come we don't see it? And the second question is, how come we don't already have critical mass to bring about the redemption, to bring about the messianic age? Now, the answer to the first question is that because there's so much positive energy in the world, and compared to that, the negative energy is minuscule, there would be no free choice. So God, what he does is allows the negative to be more overt and to appear as if it's much stronger, much more powerful than the good, because the good is beneath the surface. So you have, beneath the surface, you have treasures, and on top of the surface, you have mud. Well, when a person is walking on the surface, he feels the mud. And he doesn't realize, even if he realizes that he doesn't see or feel the treasures that are beneath the surface. So that's exactly the situation. Beneath the surface, we have accumulated good and holiness that is the equivalent of millions of atom bombs being detonated all at the same time. And that's what begs the second question, for which there is no answer that humans can understand. Why then didn't we bring Mashiach? Why hasn't it yet happened? Not how could it happen, but why hasn't it happened already? And that question only God can answer for us. And we believe that Mashiach's coming, therefore, is imminent. That's the most rational conclusion. What's irrational, that it didn't already happen, so if we want to be rational beings, we have to know that Mashiach's coming is inevitable, it's imminent, and it's the most rational conclusion that anyone could reach. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.